0: Welcome back and a Lechon Hanukkah to all. And um, we're getting back together on the third day of Hanukkah, third day of Hanukkah. And as we pointed out last night, near Gimel de Hanukkah, that is actually none other than—that's right, Shirley Reiber's birthday and my birthday. Oh. And your birthday, English birthday today? No, no, no. It's I not know, as know, his know. English birthday. It's not as a Geisha birthday. <laughs> it's his real birthday. Uh, um, I, have, I have a son um one of my sons refers to his secular birthday as his Yoshka birthday.'t <laughs> 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 hear that from us. but anyway, um, just maybe because the our calendar is you know sort of loosely kind of based around the birth date of Osayo Iish. But anyway, so this is Surly Reber Surly Reber's, early Rebers. mentioned this last night, in Megillah, right? Surly Reber's uh, birthday today. I'm still not sure how old he is, but as I mentioned last night, <laughs> hes I know he's older than 20, I know he's younger than 30. So, happy birthday, Surly Reber. It should be, you know, a very happy day for you and a very happy year and bring you lots of happiness in your life, total 120 for you and all of us. Okay, so, we'll, we'll be singing for Shabbos, hopefully, for Okay. Um, so, we hear continuing in Deir HaShem, Chelik Dalid, Perik Dalad, Simon Tess. And we're up to now, um, really, the, the, the primary focus and test is going to be the third pack of Shema. Again, the Ramchal is building up speed. At this point, he's established all the basics of what Shema is about. Once he's done that, he moves rather quickly through the rest of Shema because it's all built on those foundational principles that are already established that are concentrated in the first six words. Yichud ha nefesh, giving up one's life for God, the oneness of God, proclaiming the oneness, accepting Hashem as the melech, and not a meishol. And we saw yesterday how beautifully, that goes in two, the past two days, that it goes line by line by line through all the aspects of the first paragraph that, that explains avas why we have to love Hashem, on all three levels of our existence, that's just a function of accepting Hashem as a Melech. When I realize that Hashem is a Melech and not a Meishol, everything that Hashem has is just is only good and nothing but good for me. That engenders a reciprocal love on my behalf, and realizing that the only thing that's really always absolutely in my best interest, with my welfare in mind, is Hashem's will. So naturally, I'm running to do only Hashem's will of all my existence. We bring that into our. Children's lives. My children are here. I have children to so be able to share this with them. It permeates our house. I have a house for Ratzon Haboyre, which is the absolutely best thing for me to 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 to, to um. And again, there be just infusing my house. Um, that was the entire first paragraph of Shema. And now the Ramchal spends one line on the second paragraph and the, and, and the rest of the paragraph on the third paragraph. Let's see. Says the Ramchal without too much uh, elaboration or fanfare. Then we continue to the second paragraph, which is the specifics of the English Kabbalah Hashem's mitzvahs. That's it. That's all the Ramchal is going to say from here. He moves to the third paragraph. Now, that's all he needs to say because really he said it all already. This is the uh, second paragraph is where we just go at length about the ruts and habayre, accepting Hashem as a melech. We know that Hashem only has our best interests in mind. He has a melech who wants to have a relationship with the am and is here for the am. um, That... As we saw already a number of times, means the rodson of the, being that Hashem is a melech and has a rodson. So, putting those two ideas together, the rodson of the melech is binding. If Hashem is the absolute re- ruler, the absolute melech. His rodson therefore, is also absolute. His will is also absolute. It's absolutely binding. So, I have to be Makabel the mitzvah by extension. If I'm just Makabel Hashem as a melech, without being Makabel his mitzvah, I wasn't really Makabul him as a melech. So, that's a, a deep and profound idea. And the Ramchal spends all of one line on that. Okay? So, again, the deep and profound idea of the day. We have to come up with a a snazzy acronym for that, but not right now. The deep and profound idea for the day is that, if I'm not mechabel with sincerity, with with the um, totality, the mitzvahs of Hashem, I'm not really being mechabel. Him as a melech because, you know, I'm saying, uh, you know, me and God are like this. We're so close. We're so good. Um, God gets me. I get him. I, I, you know... God is here in my heart wherever I go, that's nothing, that's a lot, a lot of, that's not even fluff. You know, that's, a, that's an insult to fluff. Um, that's, that's, you know, Hashem, Hashem is a uh, security blanket for you. I know what he is, he's, he's a stuffed teddy bear. He's the, your, your favorite pillow, you know, and, and you, you are soothing yourself and, 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 and priding yourself on this uh, alleged relationship with God. That you made God into nothing more than uh, a glorified teddy bear. Um, at best, um, you know, Hashem. If you really get it what it means that that you're good with God, it means you accept Hashem as a Melech. You accept Hashem as a Melech. Then you accept the fact, and you, with sincerity, with happiness, that that you know you got to actionize that. That's got to be you know put your, as we say, put your mouth, put your mouth where your money is, right? Put your money where your mouth is. I'm sorry. Put your money. Thank you. Put your money where your mouth is, and let's see. You know, you put that into action, and if you can't and, and are unwilling to, do not really accept Hashem as a melech. There's God is a concept, a nice concept you like to throw at because it makes you feel so nice and good and fuzzy inside. Right? Okay, so, you know, made Hashem into a teddy bear. But that's not Hashem. So so that's what's going on in the second paragraph of Shemaim, Vehoyo Im To take our Kabbalist, Oma Chushemaim, actionize it, bring it all the way home, make it you know, correct, true, with sincerity. Now the Rav moves quickly on to the third paragraph, and this, the rest of this paragraph is dedicated to the third paragraph, which is we talk about the exodus, leaving Egypt, leaving Egypt, leaving Mitzrayim in, in the uh, discussion of tzitzis. Now the Ramchal is asking a question by answering it, by addressing it. The unspoken question is, what shayichas, What Shaychus, as we say, well, what's the connection of, of Yetzias Mitzrayim leaving Egypt to Shema? You know, leaving Egypt is a very important thing to do. And, you know, we do it once a year by the Seder and maybe we have sources in the psokam that tell us to do it once a day on a daily basis, twice a day on a daily basis, but what, why, why do we package that together in the package of Shema? Why are we putting that into Shema? What is what is talking about Mitzrayim leaving Egypt have to do with Shema? So that's the, that's the unspoken question over here um, that the Ramchal is going to devote the rest of this paragraph to, so let's see what the Ramchal says. Bahainu. So, Abraham is going to answer the the unspoken question by telling us what exactly happened when we left Egypt. It was a big celebration, a big party, very happy day when we got to leave the subjugation and the slavery of Egypt behind. But it was more than just, you know, freedom, more than just autonomy, more than just walking out from the, the country of our enslavement. Something fundamental and Formative happened to Claeswold when we leave Egypt. And that's going to be the key to understanding what this has to do with Shema. So, what happens when we leave Egypt? So, in Egypt, we, in, in, by the exodus, there was a tremendous elevation and We call that a perfection. Kleistrol received something on a qualitative change to how Kleistrol looks and how how we exist that happens when we leave Egypt. In other words, there's Kleistrol 1.0 before the exodus and Kleistrol 2.0 after the exodus, something shifts. Something shifts, and we still have that. Nowadays, as well, that, that, that shift, that fundamental shift in developing Yisro remains with us for eternity. Vahainu, what is that shift? After the sin of Adam in the Garden of Eden. Adam Rishon, when he eats from the Eta Das Teferah, so he brings himself down, he brings humanity down, he brings darkness and division. To, to to humanity. Before the chait, evil is something that is without. Evil is something that's distanced, detached, disassociated from humanity. After the sin of Adam Harijon, he internalizes sin, evil. He makes man have a predilection towards sin. We have an affinity with ra, and that's a fundamental shift that happened. So, you know, I guess you could say there's was man 1.0. Before Adam Sin, 2.0. After Adam Sin, we're going to see the 3.0 is after the exodus, okay? So just said after, after the exodus. Oh, exodus. The Yitzhi Mitzrayim, sorry, Arthur. Mitzrayim, right? When we leave Egypt. So there's man before the chet, man after the chet. Now, Adam, mankind is drastically brought down after the chet. Actually, I'm not Man 2.0 in its original form, after the sin of Adam Rishon, is really incorrigible. Beyond hope, beyond repair. can't be fixed. Our bodies are so messed up, our existences are so rife with Ra that we can't purge that Ra anymore. And we have a physical existence which is just diametrically opposed to all matters spiritual and cannot be cured of that can't be purged, that rock can't be purged, initially. And the way we've explained this in in the past in different settings and times is that anyone that wanted to do the right thing was constantly struggling with a body that didn't want to do the right thing, and that body could not be brought on board. It was a constant tug of war. Yes, this is come up, we talked about this um, in the past. That's what things look like after the sin of Adam Rishon. So that means the Abbas HaKadoshim, you know, we, we don't really appreciate what they pulled off, what they were able to accomplish. Avram Yitzhak and Yaakov were struggling with physical existences that we don't struggle with anymore. They were struggling with a body that was totally not on board, totally disinterested in anything spiritual. And it's like, you know, imagine that you're told that if you want to worship God, you have to ascend the mountain of God. Have heard that one before? Who shall ascend the mountain of God, and who shall stand in His holy place? He, who is, who is of pure heart, pure hands. Yeah, who he, who, who is of unblemished hands, untainted hands, and of pure hearts. Uh, never seen, it never sounds like nobody. So yeah, but um, but 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 um, let's say we're told that if we want to really get a close connection with God, we have to ascend the mountain of God. And we're told, we're told, this is what things look like before, uh, after, immediately after Adam's sin. We're told, you know what? You know, this is a very, very, you know, steep mountain. It's paved. There's a road that's paved to the top. It's a very steep road. Very, very steep road. Hard to get up there. You know, we're going to supply you with a pickup truck. Four-wheel drive. To get you to the top of that mountain. You want to ascend the mountain of God. We'll supply you with a pickup truck. But here's the catch. You have to schlep the truck up the mountain. So we're going to give you a rope. We're going to tie it to the front of the truck. And you, you, you're welcome to go ascend the mountain to find God, worship God, connect with God. But you have to bring the truck with you. You have to tow the truck behind you. Okay? So if we were told that, what would we do? I'm not Superman. I would, I'm not Superman. I'm not, you know, I'm not even going to think about that. That's, you know, it's... You know, just out of out of my out of my uh, you know means it's that's just not my thing. It's not my chill. I can't do that. And you know, forget about it. I'm not even gonna try. That's What it looks like to serve God, to get a closeness with God, a connection with God. In, in the era immediately following the sin of Adam Rishon, the body is the pickup truck that 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 you know one-ton pickup truck, four-by-four four monster truck that. If I want to get to the mountains of God, sure, I can go up there, but i got to schlep the truck behind me. i got to pull the truck up the mountain. <clears throat> the truck is the body, and the body does not want to go up the mountain, and even if I decide to go up the mountain, I have to pull the truck with me because I'm connected to that truck. It's part of who I am. It's my body, um, and i got to schlep it all the way up to the top of the mountain. That's what existence looks like immediately after sin of Anarisha because that truck is, is our body, and it was so tainted, so warped and twisted by the Aveira in a way that it is... It is um, Beyond repair. Um, pi'i Avram Avinu, All of Hashem Leois, huvizare la'yashem niv'dal v'kolo Even though Avram and his descendants have been selected by the Rebbein Sholeil. And Avram Vinu is the one sole member of the human race that stands up to Nimrod. Stands up to all of his scheming and his, his, his uh, fomenting the world against God. Um, Avram is the only one that takes a stand. And so Avram and his children are selected to be hidden. It's still uh, um, only there in potential form. Avram and his children are unable to forge a nation that's fundamentally different than all the other nations, that fundamentally can bring godliness down to the world and to themselves. Because Avram and his descendants are still struggling with those same pickup trucks that are trying to drag them down. Yes. Like, yes. The from Makadoshim do say such a thing. to say such a thing. So has to be understood in light of this. There's a vote over there. It's not even even you know, he got there. it's Still not the same way we can get there. And it's not the same degree. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, he. In in this light, what that means is that he built up such. Uh, abilities, I'd say muscles, abilities in the area of um, pulling that tow truck. That he didn't f- feel it anymore. It wasn't a burden. It wasn't a burden. It was it was not perceptible anymore. Um, so it was naturally working together with him. But Maisa, the the, the goof that Avram Vino has is not our goof. Vazuma or 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 Yitzhak, or Yaakov or Yosef, you know. Uh, uh, anyone, anyone from that era. They had not been purged from the venom of the Nachash in and They were still contaminated by that venom, and that means they were still towing their bodies behind them. And the Ramchal just threw out an idea, a big idea that he said in very few words, that for Klai Israel to be established as Klai Israel, we need to have an existence that brings us back to 1.0. To be a nation that represents God, a nation that's the world's destiny, a nation that's bringing the universe and creation towards its completion, we have to have a fundamentally different type of existence than the rest of the nations because fulfilling our destiny doesn't just mean following orders, it means making changes in ourselves, making changes in the world. We can't make those changes if we have no physicality that can bring those changes down. We need a physicality that can resonate with godliness. And as much as we don't perceive that truck behind us anymore that we're towing, it's still, at the end of the day, um, completely physical and devoid of the ability to house spirituality, so we can't bring it down here. So that's a huge idea that Ramchal just threw it in a half a line over here, that although Avram won the prize, Avram got the contract from God, when he was the one that stood up to Nimrod, I haven't got the contract for the Jewish nation. Um, he can only he can only he can only start the Jewish nation in potential form. He's the potential, and, and all of his descendants are they have that inner spark of having the the um, the Ovis to be the, the Ovis, and they are the Ovis, but in terms of you know actually being activated, can't be activated until we have a body that can catch up with our soul. Everybody understand? That's why, so, so we have a very interesting dichotomy, from Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, and beyond, they have inwardly, in the eponemius, they are the Jewish nation, and they got the contract. But in terms of throwing that into practice, actually living that, radiing that, and, and perfecting themselves, perfecting the universe, that can't happen until the venom is once again purged, and they go back to level mankind before the chait. okay? That's the dichotomy, and this is actually the source for a well-known, I was thrown a little bit of Talmudic, Slachoid Chanuk over here. But to make a connection, this is actually the source behind a well-known raging Talmudic debate uh, between the great Talmudists of yesteryear, which is, what was the halachic and Talmudic status of the forefathers up until Har Sinai? Do they have the status of Bnei Yisrael or Bnei Noyach? Were they bnei Nayach or bnei yisrael? hakadoshim, Zenen gaven bnei Nayach, other Zenen gaven bnei yisrael. Who were they? What were they? Did they function as gentiles who just did things that gentiles didn't do, like you know, eruvei chatzeris? or were they actually in? They were already klal yisrael. So it seems ridiculous. Why should they be bnei, b'nei Nayach? What, what do you mean? They're, 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 the Avram Avinu was was given a treaty from God. He was given a bris. He was he was uh, given a bris, not just bodily. He was given a, a covenant, a, a promise, and a treaty. Why should they be benayneich? But Teretz says this is the vart. They are, they have all the potential. They they were given the contract. They were already given the contract. Yet they are still dealing with let's call the goyish a yiddish soul in a goyish abadi. And only by Yitzhak Yitzrayim, we'll see in a moment, we have a Yiddish soul in a Yiddish body. This is Mamish the Nekudah because this is where they're coming from. Uh, you know, when you put a Yiddish soul into a Goyish body, does that produce B'nai Noich or B'nai Yisroel? What's the Koivaya? What's the and What's the tuffle? What's the Koivaya? What's the determining uh, component over here? You go with the Neshama. From Avram Ve'elach, we have Yiddish and Neshamas. So are they B'nai Yisroel? Or, but, do you say, but the, say, at the end of the day, mitzvahs are done with the gov, and we're active over here with the body, and if they have a geisha body, they're going to be b'nai noyach. Very gishmach. That's a mamisha mat the, the third day of chanukah, a new daher, and this mach like. And that's why also we understand the base HaLevi, in some places it's attributed to Reb Chaim, but I, I remember seeing this always attributed to the Beis HaLevi, says that even if you go to the man that says b'nai noyach, it doesn't mean they were geisha. Uh, th- 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 it's, there's room to understand it as such. Take it a little bit too superficially, and say if you say oh, I guess they were just Gayim. right? So Beis Levi says no, that no one holds that they were Goyim. The Shaila is what were, what were they in Din? Did they have the Din of B'nai or did they have the Din of B'nai But everybody holds fundamentally they were different than everyone else, and they were they were. Klai Yisro, but they were Klai with the din of B'nai or Klai with the din of B'nai Yisro. But by they were B'nai Yisro, and, and that makes Nafkaminas in terms of, the, you know, we've mentioned this in the Sunday Morning Breakfast and Learn program in the past, keeping Shabbos and things like that, learning Tyra, keeping Shabbos. If you're a Yid, you're allowed to keep Shabbos. You're not, you're not doing something which is um, you are Bnei Yisrael, you just have a din of Bnei Neich, and having a din of Bnei Neich doesn't mean you're going somewhere you're not allowed to go, Avadonat that's why you're allowed to keep Shabbos, that's why they're allowed to learn Tyra Davos HaKadoshim, very Gishmak very Gishmak, so but based on what we're saying, again, it makes such perfect sense they had the Yiddish and the Shamari. so the B'atzim, they were Bnei Yisrael, but they're Bnei Yisrael trapped in a Goyish body. so maybe that gives them the din of Bnei Naich, they function halachically in terms of you know, uh their halachas is bnei Nayah, but they're beetsim bnei because they already have the Yiddish and the shama. Okay, everybody got that? Sort of. Sort of. It's on tape, Arthur. Okay, <laughs> it's out there on tape. Okay. So what we see though is after the after the sin of adam rishon, mankind is is saddled with a body which um, is irreparable is, is uh, just darkness and blackness. It's a black hole. A black hole, and we call that a bleak hole, right? Because there's no way out. It's pretty bleak. Even Avram, Yitzhak, and and the descendants are stuck with this body. Although they become the kernel and the source matter for Klai but they still have this body that can't be brought on board. So now how do we, so how do we take this next level to become a nation of Kla Yisrael that can perfect themselves and perfect the world? We need a perfected body. Therefore they need to go down to Egypt and be subjugated in Egypt. In that subjugation, enslavement, they are refined, purified, like gold that's thrown into the fiery furnace of purificationish, and they are purified. That means that this is the, the setup for us to be able to return to humanity, mankind, 1.0. For us, 3.0 is going back to 1.0, sort of, whatever. Uh, we'll see. <speaking in Hebrew> when it was the point of time to leave Egypt, <speaking> in <Hebrew> Intenses, intensifies his bounty, his radiance, and his light that he's given to Kaleisot of the Kofa. Hashem subdues the power of evil that evil had over us up until that point in time. He separates us out from the evil that had, been, that had been running amok in our systems, the collective systems of humanity until that point in time. Hashem uplifted us, raised us above that lowly darkened existence where we have bodies that are just... Um, Tokens of evil and Hashem purged us, raised us, elevated us from that existence. That's what happens when we leave Mitzrayim. All the all the um, purification process of Mitzrayim is now applied and put into effect. Hashem gives us purified bodies, and and from that point on Khalisul is now we, we are given existences and bodies that can now be purified, can be can be um, cleaned and can be on board. With God's will. Now we can be a nation. We can be a nation that can have a connection to God. Can emulate God, embody God and bring God down here to this world. And be crowned by the glory of God himself. Now that as a nation we make a difference in the world, we make a difference in our own lives, we make a difference in humanity, we make a dent in the universe, now we can be a nation representing God. Until that point in time, we can't be a real nation if we're only doing it on a potential level and we're not actually doing anything to the universe, we're not a nation. We can change the universe, we are now a nation. And that happens from Yitzit M'shoshim V'Elech. So, putting that back into our Marshall, that means, from Yitzit M'shoshim, from the Exodus and on, what happens is like this. What happens is, we are now given the keys to that pickup truck. That pickup truck is brought into the shop. It's, the fluids are changed. It's it's oiled. It is given a full tank of high-octane gas. Best gas out there. And we're given the keys. And now we can race our way, roar up the mountain. The body is no longer in conflict. The body is no longer bogging us and dragging us down, getting in the way, interfering with our pursuits of God. It's on board and it, 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 it um, enhances our journey up the mountain, the mountain of God. Everybody understand that? That's what happens when we leave Egypt. Um, that's what happens when we leave Egypt. And this is when we say, you know, in, in, in the umpt of the avening, that's a reference to leaving Egypt. Pesach is an exercise in a mimus. Right, us. We're uplifted. We're raised above the nations. They have an existence stand here. We have a different higher existence. We have an existence where, where we, are, we, are, we, we are cruising up that mountain. Raising up that mountain with our pedal to the metal. Okay? Our foot on the pedal and the pedal to the metal. We are racing and roaring up that mountain. Inai. This is an eternal change and shift in our makeup, as we explained. All the bounty and the goodness that we receive from that point and on are all now dependent and as a result, resulting from this shift, this dynamic shift in our existence. Bakayin. And it's tavinu, That's why we have to always remind ourselves of Mitzrayim, remember Mitzrayim. By reminding and remembering and and reviewing it constantly, we are reinforcing that Tikkun, that we are raised above the Gaim, we're different than the Gaim, we have a higher existence, we have a purified existence, we have a body that can cruise up that mountain? Should we allow it to do so? So we are constantly reinforcing that part of our existence. And we are, again, constantly reinforcing, reinstating the benefits that we got from and Mitzrayim. So that concludes this paragraph. That's what we're going. What's, what's going on Yitzchias Mitzrayim? So the Ramchal gives a beautiful take on what happened when we left Egypt. a beautiful take. We go from humanity. Mankind 1.0 to 2.0, to 3.0, to 3.0 brings us back essentially sort of to 1.0. And our bodies are now purified. We have that car, that truck that races up the mountain. Our bodies don't get in the way. Our bodies can be brought on board. We can be the nation that represents God now. We can be the nation that makes a difference in the world. But, Viter, what does this have to do with Shema? What does it have to do with Shema? So what emerges from this is as follows. The final paragraph of Shema... In reinforcing this idea and m- making a, a tikkun again, day in day out, twice a day, the function of this in Shema is essentially saying it's it's finishing with 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 a justification, a justification and an elevation. We're saying like this: Shema Yisrael, Hashem, Shemekod. We are making Hashem one. We are accepting Hashem's malchus. We are raising. We're, we're perfecting the world we saw through yichud The world is the only one, and all it is is godliness. Hashem is able to come into the world um, through my yichud Through my acceptance of God as one, I make a Hashem a melech. I proclaim that the only real will, uh, real will, is God's will. The only real authority is God's authority. And through all that, we're perfecting ourselves. We're perfecting the world. In the final paragraph of the Shema, per, final paragraph of the Shema, we're kind of making the same. and, and what gave me the right to say all this? The final packet of Heshemah is uh, an afternote note um, about the author, not author being us, no, not God, uh, uh, a, a, a um, word about the person who just said all this. What gives me the right to be miyachad Hashem? What gives me the right to proclaim the oneness of Hashem? What gives me the right, the ability to make Hashem's Malchus here over myself and over the entire world because of Yitzias Mitzrayim. It's an explanation, justification. There says also it's reinforcing that, giving me even more strength, even more power. Um, conceive, theoretically, we could conceive of an argument that maybe it should have come first. We could hear that maybe before I tell you, before I do what I to do, let me explain to you who I am, and 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 um, pull that down a little bit more, that power. So I explain to you who I am, and a little bit about me. I left Egypt so I am a Jew with a perfected body. I can um, in all um, sincerity fully do what uh, what it is that I'm about to do. We could have heard that Shema could have come first, yet it comes last as telling you now that everything I just did, this is why I was able to get away with it. the question we could leave off with then is why indeed does it come last? It could have come first. Right? And maybe it should have come first. It should have come first. Maybe we'll leave this question hanging until tomorrow. I don't know. I don't want to put too much into... Should we speak it out now? Should we address it now? Okay, so the answer is like this. The answer is, why do we put it at the end when it should have come at the beginning? And tell me first a little bit of who you are before you tell me what you you know, tell me what gives you the right to make Hashem one. The teretz is, Making Hashem one is so absolute that hearing anything about you is going to be in conflict with making Hashem one. We have to wait till all the way to the end. After I make Hashem one, and I accept Hashem's malchus, the unifying Hashem, the oneifying of Hashem, making Hashem one and only one, has to be so absolute that I can't be mentioned at all. If I would tell you about myself first, that would get in the way of making Hashem one. Once everything is done, okay, I made Hashem one, I proclaimed the oneness of Hashem, now let me tell you a little bit about myself. Being that I'm a part of that oneness of Hashem and a part of that Bri of Hashem, here's a little bit about me and what gave me the right to do that. If we would put it first, that would get in the way of making Hashem one. Okay. Thank you all for joining. We will continue tomorrow with Hashem with Yud. And everyone should have a and lichtige, beautiful, blessed, and illuminated Hanukkah.